Welcome to the Technical Rapport. This is episode three. Our topic for today is usability studies. My name is Dr. Scott Kowaleski. And I am Mike Blodgett. And we are going to jump right into our conversation and hope you enjoy. It's a good one. So let's go ahead and bring in our guests. All right. Well, I want to welcome uh, Trevor Baranek and Dr. Bill Williamson in here today as our guests as we talk about usability and all the cool things that go along with that. Uh, Dr. Bill is a faculty member here for the RPW department, and Trevor Baranek here is from Dow, uh, the Dow Chemical Company. Uh, he and I work together and does a lot of uh, fun, cool things there that uh, reflect on the department. So, um, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, we're certainly glad to have you guys here today. And, you know, our topic, is, as Michael mentioned, is usability studies and, and usability as a practice uh, as, a, as a research method, as a way for technical professional writers to think more critically about users and the way that users impact uh, the things, right, to kind right, of borrow, right. borrow one of our themes from class, like <laughs> the things that we create. And, you know, we, we do, we record these podcasts actually in the RPW Usability Lab. And this was something that uh, Dr. Bill, he, it was an initiative that he created. And so, Maybe we can start there and you could talk a little bit about this lab and some of the history and you know, where it came from and, and you know, what were some of the visions that you had as you were developing this space. Sure, absolutely. At the time that we developed the facility, we recognized that there were only a handful of usability centers scattered around the country, Rensselaer Polytechnic, Carnegie Mellon University, um, Illinois State University and Michigan State, I think we're about the only ones east of the Mississippi. If, I, if that's wrong, then I apologize for anybody out there who's listening that has a usability <laughs> lab that's older than that. That said, we were looking to develop a facility that would help the university, that would help the department, and that, of course, would help our students. And we were looking at developing a center that would focus on usability studies and on universal design. So the official title of the facility, although we never use it, is the Center for Usability Studies and Universal Design. And you know that said, we were trying to come up with a configuration where we could develop material, that is information products, test that material, and help out students in developing professionally those kinds of skills and abilities, units from the university who wanted to test their information or the documents that they've created or corporate clients. And, and so you know, it's a whole bunch of different things that were kind of coming together. Yeah. Yeah. So um, with that definition, kind of like for what usability is, uh, Trevor, do you, do you want to speak a little bit about like what you do at Dow and like what usability does and what it looks like in the kind of like in the corporate sphere? Yeah, absolutely. In a big company, they have many applications and they were built a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And now they are revamping this application, building them brand new. So what they're looking for is ways to become more efficient and to help users get their jobs done. So at Dow, when we see something that doesn't work as well as it should work, we say, let's study this. Let's write some scenarios, give them to have some tasks to complete, see where they fail, and then see where we can improve. And we're not always experts in the subject matter, in the subject matter. so what we do is we partner with the subject matter experts and say, who's the audience? What do they do? What do they need to do? all right, let's write our, our scenarios, our tasks, and let's test it. And from there, we find out where they fail, and we find out how we can help them succeed. Right on. Yeah. Well, and, and so, Trevor, I wonder if you could uh, 
speak to you when you're when you're talking about developing these tasks and scenarios. Do you sit down with the subject matter experts and, and get a sense of okay, well, where are you coming from? What kind of things do you want this this document or this site to to, to do, and 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 how they think about the audiences and the reader users of those pieces? Uh, you know, what what sort of informs the way that you write these tasks and scenarios? Yep. So I would meet first with the stakeholder, the one who wants to create new material. So there was a project to create a big a big section of a site. And it was catering to a couple of different audiences, about three different distinct audiences. They were all, all doing the same type of work, but there's one that was type of manager, support, and then the actual work. So for that audience, I talked to the stakeholder. I said, all right, who is the audience? What do they do? Connect me with that audience so I can talk to them. What tasks do you do? What do you need to be successful in your job? So from there, I, I decided what is most important. If you didn't find this, how, how would that affect your job? So those are the type of things where we'd make sure we'd write this scenario. You're doing this type of task where you need to find this required piece of information. Can you find it now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and just speaking, you know, adding to that, we see a lot of that, especially at that. Because we work for, you know, or we work in the environmental health and safety field just to kind of frame this. So people are, are out there and they're looking for very, very specific things, whether it's a top 10 checklist, whether it's um, am, am I you know, compliant within the, the certain field or certain tasks that I'm trying to do. So people finding what they're looking for is extremely important. I mean, it could be, I mean, not to sound traumatic, but a life or death situation in some cases. So, yeah, it's extremely important that we that we make sure people are getting to where they need to get quickly. So, you know, I'm thinking about this from the perspective of PTW professionals. And, you know, Trevor is an alum of our program. And he was, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but, you know, Trevor, you were just kind of coming through this program as it was kind of coming to its own, right? Correct, yeah. At least in terms of it's it's split from the English. Is that is that right, Bill? Yeah, we split from the English department in 2010. Actually, I should recognize here that Trevor is one of the reasons that we started into the whole conversation about usability studies in the first place. And that's kind of where I was going with that. If I recall, that was, uh, you know, part of the history of this space and and why we think about uh, and and how we think about usability here today. And you should have a plaque up here, Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) We have a name in the lab after. Yeah, seriously. Get your your name above the door at least, you would think. (laughs) Well, yeah, at the time that it happened, Trevor came to me and was looking to do an independent study, and he was interested in usability studies and wanted to read up on that and have an opportunity to talk about it and to maybe even design a study. And so we did a series of readings, you know, the old classics, Barbara Morell and Donald Norman and and those folks. And, and from that, we had the idea planted in the program. I was doing usability studies on a very small scale in the instruction writing class, but it really grew from those two moments. And at the point where we put the lab together, the original proposal for it, I was working heavily with the online learning people at the university, and we started to recognize there, hey, we've got all this stuff that's going on. It'd be really great to be able to do some testing of educational materials and course materials. So, again, you know, kind of a happy conjunction, aligning of the planets, whatever you want to call it. Right. And we put together a proposal. The surprise was that I went to the university for advice 
how or who should I reach out to out of our corporate partners? And instead, the university said, we'll fund it. So oh, yeah. 50 grand later, we've got a lab. Here we are. Yeah, now I heard you mention um, both Norman and Morell. And Trevor, I was wondering, um, to kind of dovetail between the department and, you know, and the curriculum here, those two names, how, how have those two names, like, impacted how you understand usability and how you apply it uh, at Dow? Tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so part of learning how to conduct my own study, one of the first steps was defining usability. What does it mean? What does it mean to me? How do we improve something? And I was reading Barbara Morell's Advancing the Vision of Usability, where she defines usability in it. And she's got a great simple definition that I could use to frame myself what usability is. And from there, I could develop my test, find my scenarios, write my task, and then run the test. So her definition includes four, four distinct pieces, and I had a fifth. So her four, her four pieces are you know, usability is making things easy to use, useful, pleasant, and easy to learn. And I tack on accessibility mm. because I want anybody, regardless of ability, be able to use your product, to use your information, to find it. Right, right. So uh, what do you mean by accessibility? Specific? Do you mean like um, if someone is like colorblind, kind of like? Yep. If okay. they have any type of disability, blindness, colorblindness, deafness, reduced motor skills, any type of disability. Okay. okay. Well, and I know the the morale piece is one that we read very early on in the usability studies course. And in fact, we, we spend a lot of time, at least this semester, we spent a lot of time uh, reading Donald Norman, The Design of Everyday Things. But I sneak in the morale piece very early in the semester because I think it does a really great job of framing how we can think about usability studies, particularly from a PTW perspective. And you know, so so listen to you, uh, you, you know, as, as you as you bring in the morale piece and talk about how it's influenced you. You know, I, I wondered then how you maybe took that and, and her ideas and her strategies and use that to uh, you, you know, in conjunction with, with Dr. Bill's classes to kind of advance your own vision of usability in your you know in, in your education. Yeah, her definition, I apply it to every usability study. Because there are more important things, as she mentioned in this article, it's, it's not just about ease of use, it's use and context. Can you use this in the real world? Does this satisfy your requirements? So when you're conducting your study, you're going to find issues of ease of use, which can be minor, annoying things, usefulness, which means these are requirements, these are things that they need to do their job. There's easy to learn, you want to make sure they don't have to read an entire book of documentation to get it. Pleasant, it needs to be beautiful, it needs to be pleasant. It needs to to not make them bleach their eyes afterwards. <laughs> and lastly, it needs to be accessible. So if someone does have a disability, if they are blind, they need to be able to navigate it and they need to be able to use a screen reader to read the text from them so they can use the interface without any issue. So maybe backing up a couple levels here, uh, Dr. Bill, do you think you could talk a little bit about you know, as as Trevor was coming through the program and, and, and you identified this need to maybe create the space and, uh, and and think about usability, how how were we thinking about usability in the curriculum then? Well, at the beginning, it was really haphazard, I mean, to be honest, um, where we were trying to figure out how and where we could incorporate it. 
I mentioned uh, instruction writing because it was an obvious place for that connection to be made. You know, it's one of the places in the curriculum where, one, I was teaching development of, of high-end, high-tech, multimodal, multifunctional, multimedia kinds of projects. So, for example, we had people doing interactive tutorials. So as soon as we started getting more complex documents on the table, it made sense for us to start exploring usability studies. You know, with that in mind, one of the things that was also happening simultaneously is that within the Society for Technical Communication, you've got the Body of Knowledge Project recognizing that usability is a core concept or a core ability that professionals who are out in the workplace need. And as they begin framing the early drafts of the professional certification that they now offer through the STC, you know, there again, here's all of these different forces coming together and saying this is an important thing. So experiences like the, the reading class with Trevor were opportunities to refine my own knowledge of it. Uh, one of my classmates at Michigan Tech was Carla Kittelong, who has become you know, a world-renowned expert herself in usability and has been a major player on the global scale of advancing usability studies. And so she and I it had a lot of collaborative conversations. And I'll note, actually, that as we've done the reboot this semester for the facility, we're looking ahead to creating collaborations between Michigan Tech and SBSU through Carla Kittelong and reaching out to the people at Michigan State you know, the wide center among other facilities and trying to create some multi-institution collaborations. But really we've all informed one another about how we should and how we can integrate these kinds of ideas into our curricula. And now as it stands at SVSU, not only are we teaching it in, in inside of the instruction writing class, but we also have our own dedicated course that you're teaching this semester. That's a special topic, right. but with a special topic with the intent of developing it as a full regular course in the curriculum. I still teach it in the project management course at the end of the semester. I mean, at the end of the, the end of the curriculum, I believe you're doing that class next semester. In the winter, right. right. And, and I'm imagining you might incorporate some of those things. Of in course. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it went from being an idea that was really at the periphery of the curriculum, but central to our needs. And now it's become absolutely core to the studies that our students are engaged in by the time they're done with their degree. So it's interesting to to learn about how usability has really uh, evolved and progressed, you know, from the time that Trevor sort of created that 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 initial interest and, and, and that spark. But maybe you could talk a little bit about as you, uh, Doctor Bill, as you, as you saw the development of the space. What did you want to make sure in terms of technologies and equipment and software and hardware that we had available to us in the usability lab? That's a really important element of it because, like I said, we wanted to conceive of this as a space where we could both develop and then test information. And what we really wanted to make sure that we had the capacity to do was to produce documents that we were traditionally doing in the program, you know, that incorporated text and visuals and so on, but that we also wanted to be able to deal with audio, with video, with animation, uh, to develop documents that would be for print environments or digital environments, whether that meant web or interactive hypertexts or, you know, that were coming out in PDF or whatever the case may be. So in terms of the usability side of things, the core technologies here are TechSmith Moray and ClearLeft Silverback, both of which are really comprehensive and um, really powerful tools for gathering a variety of datas, uh, data streams for how people are interacting with information. Again, whether that means a website or a print document or, or whatever. 
on the design side, we wanted to make sure that we could create all of those different kinds of information pieces. And so we've got software packages such as the Adobe Design Suite or the Creative Suite, I should say, the Design Premium is the is the typical is the, the actual package that we mm. have. So we've got things like InDesign and Dreamweaver. But in addition to that, we had a lot of students, I made reference to this before, who were starting to do things like interactive tutorials. So we've got Camtasia, you know, from TechSmith, another one of their core packages. And, you know, with that, we can do a lot of different things, whether that means uh, a tutorial on how to use a piece of software, or we can uh, really develop, you know, information that focuses on anything that brings in you know, text, video, audio, all of those different kinds of things, even, you know, like I said, interactivity where you've got to hit a button or solve a question or a problem before you can move on. So we really have a, a pretty complex array of technologies available to our students. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there is a lot of great technology available to us in this lab where we're actually recording right now. And so, um, Trevor, I, I, I'm wondering what kind of technology is available for to you or, or to us at Dow and how um, you may have adapt, had to adapt to uh, different technology packages in order to uh, accomplish or achieve the kind of usability testing that you're that you wanted to do, and the kind of uh, usability testing that you are able to do. Yep. So where we work, we don't have a usability lab yet. Right. We might be collaborating soon. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So we have to make do with what we have, mm -hmm. and what we have is audio conferencing software. So you call up your participant, you record the audio, you record the screen, and now you can review your results afterwards. And another piece of that puzzle is we like to invite stakeholders to watch. So now they can see, oh wow, they failed here. That's right away, that's a big mistake, that's a big problem that we need to fix. So when the stakeholders observe and they see a big problem now they are our ally in helping them make that change. Right, right. Yeah, so they're right on They're right on board with us. They're seeing what we're seeing. So this is interesting. So as you're doing, are you guys doing uh, a participant observation? Are you there observing in addition to recording? Or are you seeing these things once it's already been recorded and you've got the screen capture and the audio capture? We try to do them in person. Mm -hmm. We sit right next to the person so we can watch their screen and factor the test. Mm -hmm. And the observers, they can be remote or they can be in the room next door. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you have them, do you have the participants do a, a think a lot or a talk a lot where they're kind of providing their steps out loud, auditory, and, and telling you kind of where they're going and what they're thinking as well? Yep. We ask them to read their task aloud. And if we have any, any little prompts to get them speaking and asking them, hey, so where did you expect to see that? What kind of keyword would you expect with this? Or why did you think that was the correct choice? Mm -hmm. So we'll bug them ever so often, though it's nice to let them struggle. Cause, yeah. Because you know where they're going wrong. If, if you can feel them getting mm -hmm. a little red or hot, you know, the stakeholder can feel it too. So they know this is a big problem, we need to fix it. So yeah. it's good to let them struggle a little bit, but it's, it's also a good idea to let them know. If you want to quit, just say so. <laughs> yeah, that struggle is real. We've seen it. <laughs> Let me interject in, into this. So, so how often are you able to do studies like this at Dow? I mean, I know this is something that's really valuable to you. Are you able to make use of this enough in that setting, or would you like to be able to do more? I'd like to do much, much more. Mm -hmm. If we get to do a test, it is fast, it's simple, and then we have to move on. There's not much time to test, to set up. We don't have a lab, so we can't just go sit down mm -hmm. and, and have our station set up. It's 
it's always restart, reboot, do it all over again. So it's it's not simple. It's not easy right. at, at present. Yeah, and I, I mean it's not. I, we're sitting in a usability lab as it as it is right now, just looking around. We don't really have the the affordances that this that this lab offers. So we we do try to make the best of what we have. And I think, um, yeah, the, the quantity of tests we can do would increase dramatically if we had some more access to, well, more toys, I guess. Well, you know, one of the things that's interesting having Trevor here with us today is that, so here we've got a professional working in an environment that's challenging and trying to figure things out, dreaming, wow, I wish I had a facility like this. We're sitting in the facility that we have, and I, as the director of the facility, am sitting here thinking, and dreaming, wow, it'd be really awesome to have people like Trevor come here. <laughs> so, you know, there are all kinds of issues that people don't necessarily think about that, that make those relationships more complicated and more challenging to create than, than maybe it seems on the surface. And so one of the issues that we've talked about with any relationship that we might create with, with Dow or any of the companies in the Dow family specifically is how much of the information that might be tested contains proprietary knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we've got to be able to deal with those kinds of things effectively as a facility and therefore safeguard all of this information that our clients might have. You know, that's one of those things that has become much more than a minor roadblock. Right. But that's certainly one of those things that we're trying to work to negotiate with companies. And it'd be really awesome if this became one of the first relationships that we were able to successfully you know, negotiate that with to serve all of our dreams, as it were. So. <laughs> well, and I think it speaks to... In part, the evolution of how we think about usability studies here in our department and in our program, but also how we think about the evolution of usability in the professional world. And I know that this has been a conversation that's been going on for a number of decades. And, uh, you know, there's all sorts of different kinds of fields and professions that sort of funnel into this idea of usability and they, and they bring their own uh, methods and their own ideas and their own uh, uh, theories and expertise into these different models. And, you know, Steve Krug, for example, would argue that we don't, that you don't necessarily need something elaborate like this to do a usability test that, that, that even just kind of sitting down and doing some uh, participant observations and, and taking some notes uh, is an effective way to see where users are getting tripped up. But gosh, when you're trying to convince a client uh, and you're trying to make a case for uh, some maybe systematic and uh, overhauls, Having the, the the data that you would gather from a program like Silverback or Moray can be a really effective rhetorical tool, and I, and I have to suspect a little bit that that's what was running through here when we were putting together this program. Yeah, because the quest to understand, of course, like you said, that's been going for a long time, but that need for data, we didn't really have access to tools for a long time that would give us that kind of data that is going to speak to various stakeholders. You know, if I'm making an argument to somebody like me, I maybe don't need to have a lot of quantifiable information, but if I'm making an argument to somebody who is used to working with numbers, whether that means money or whether that means, uh, you know, performance data, well, you know what, that's what you need to have. And that's one of the really awesome things about the the tools that we have in the facility is that we have access to that. And I think you bring up a good point, and maybe I'll kind of throw it back at Trevor and Michael here because they're in that industry environment. And the resource issue is always something, and, and we talk a lot about this in, in the usability class, that sometimes we feel we really have to advocate for ourselves in terms of why usability is important because the people who control the resources don't always see the value and the importance of it. And so, you know, 
I don't know, maybe you alluded to this a little bit, Trevor, in terms of some of the uh, software and hardware packages that you have available to you. But how do you see this challenge in, in the corporate world and, and in what ways are you overcoming it? And what ways are you trying to uh, maybe be those advocates for some social change in those areas? Well, I'll jump in real quick and I'll say we are lucky enough that um, our leadership understands the importance of usability and is an advocate for it himself. So we are fortunate in that um, we just we just need to to push push further and 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 do more of it. I mean, really, that that's what it boils down to for me. I don't know about you, Trevor. But. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always been difficult to convince somebody of the value of usability. They don't see the return on investment. It's hard to show it to them. So two pr- prior employers I worked for, I tried to introduce usability. It did not work. I shared interface mockups. I shared ideas. I shared thoughts about why usability is important. It's needed. It did not work at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the time to run the test. I was busy working. They wouldn't give me the time to do it, so I couldn't do it. If I had just been able to run the test and have them observe and show them the value of it, I probably could have sold it. But I guess I didn't have the courage to just, you know, press pause on my daily work and run a test. Mm-hmm. What about at Dow? What do you think? At Dow, it's... It's better, but it's in its infancy. Right, yeah. You can, yeah. That's the best word for it. <laughs> it's, it's the, the word is out, but we need to be those people that are, are pushing the envelope and, and getting more involved in it, I think. One of the things that we've talked about that maybe this facility could help with, actually, is being an advocate beyond the facility itself for usability studies, where if we were to put together a short video that would demonstrate what is usability, how does it function, and to demonstrate how it might impact a very specific kind of project. It's the kind of thing that somebody like Trevor could take to as a, a supervisor or, you know, someone who has the ability to gather those resources or, or release those resources and say, Hey, check this out. This is what we can do with this kind of thing. This is the impact that it can have. Right. Yeah. So um, real quick, Trevor, you, so you were around when the program was kind of just getting on its, on its two legs and starting to run off. Is there anything that's happening now in the program that you've seen? that maybe you wish you would have been able to been a part of back when it was starting? Yeah, absolutely. Last year I was at the APTW mini conference where I got to see students presenting their projects about usability. So mm-hmm. Dr. Scott ran this course about usability. Students were showing what projects they ran. They were recording uh, tests with mobile applications and showing what software they were using and the things that they had learned in class. And I was excited and overjoyed to see it. Because that did not exist when I was running through the program myself. Oh, man, I missed. (laughs) Definitely. When I was uh, in the program, I was interested in usability. I wanted to study it. I worked with Dr. Bill with the independent study. I learned everything I could about usability, how to run a test, what usability meant. And from there, I worked with Dr. Dallas, taking my internship. We We were brainstorming ideas. She said, usability test, Xana Library. I said, Sure. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so then I ran an internship where it's 10 weeks, 10 hours a week. I probably ran 16 weeks, 20 hours a week. Right. Because I was I was so into it. And now to see that you don't have to pursue it on your own, that it's going to potentially become part of the curriculum, that's really 
really exciting. Yeah, it, it is really cool. I, I know for me personally, being in the special topics, the usability class, it's, it's really, I mean, you can kind of see the seeds are being planted. And I am just, I'm kind of jealous that, you know, uh, future generations of, of students in the, in the program are going to be able to, to have a dedicated class to it. I don't, I don't know. Dr. Scott, are, are you guys, are you guys thinking about doing like a very dedicated, um, yeah, class for? The, the proposals that we're working on now and kind of going through, again, the, the curriculum review and programmatic review processes, uh, we'll look to bring usability studies in line in the actual core curriculum. And I think the way we have it now is it'll be merged in a sense with the instruction writing, the RPW 322 course, but the theme of usability studies will emerge as a much more prominent theme in that course. And I've taught it two times now. Uh, the, my first fall here back in 2013, uh, we had a, we had a great group of students who weren't really sure when they came in what what it was. You know, I was a new guy, and what were we going to talk about? And wh- what are these you know uh, uh, cr- crazy computers and programs and stuff we're going to use? And, and, and what does this mean? But I'll tell you, they they really bought into it, and we had a we had a, a great group of students who became very interested in the kinds of projects that they were working on, and they worked on a lot of really diverse types of projects from looking at websites uh, for organizations uh, within the community to thinking about the way that uh, some of the, some documents that they were creating for other users. And this was a a particular team uh, and how those, you know, they they weren't web faces. In other words, they were Mm -hmm. were very tangible, hard copy kind of documents. And I've had a chance now to repeat and, and teach this course again this semester and, I, and I've made some tweaks to it, of course, because I think it's it's important to always kind of go back and reflect and think about what worked and what didn't work. And I've changed the course up a little bit, uh, particularly on the front end of it, where we're getting a little bit more of the theory behind user-centered design. And we're just now here in the end of week six, getting into week seven next week to start thinking about some of the fundamental methods for usability study. But I, but I really think that without that underlying theory, because I you know, you, you don't fully appreciate why the why, right? It, it's, it's easy to talk about the how, you know, in terms of think alouds and, and participant observations mm-hmm. and, and gathering, uh, you know, the click data and these kinds of things. But if we don't understand why we're doing this, some of the discourse and terminology behind why we're doing it, how are we going to convince any kind of stakeholder or user right. <laughs> that, you know, there's some issues going on? So anyway, uh, you know, this is, so far, been a great semester. Again, another really terrific group of students that we were running a little bit small. I think I've, uh, there's nine of us in the class, uh, which is actually kind of a decent size. I think it gives us an opportunity to to have some great conversations. That's the one thing I've really appreciated is we've had some really great mm-hmm. conversations yeah. about uh, the, the text that we're reading and about usability. And like I said, we're just getting done now into a point where we're going to be here in the lab starting to do some of the work and and and, and get our clients and go on and do our, our, our client projects. And I want to use that then as kind of a, I guess, a segue into our final segment here. Uh, you know, during my first year, I had the opportunity to serve as the, I guess, coordinator of the usb lab. And, you know, I had some visions for how we could think about doing outreach, but you know, those first years and any job are always kind of, uh, you know, you're trying to learn the space and, 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 and learn the environment and everything that's going on. So it's, it, it was in that sort of transition year uh, and, and then we've had then we had some uh, uh, shifting of roles within the department, and and I was taken out there. And, and now Dr. Bill is running the lab, and there's again some really interesting, exciting projects that are kind of in the workings here. And I was hoping that you could talk about them, Bill, 
uh, and sort of where you see the future of the lab going and what kind of initiatives you hope to create and, and opportunities that you hope to create for uh, you know, our students and our faculty. Absolutely. You know, what's really cool for me is that I was the principal author of the proposal that brought everything together. And then I wound up devoting energy to other kinds of projects and now I've returned to it. And it's an incredible opportunity to jump back in. And, and like you said, yeah, look to see what's going on. I mean, so the things that we've been talking about so far, you know, we've got support for individual courses, things like instruction writing and usability. We're going to continue to do that kind of thing. Of course, we're going to continue to expand that. We're also hosting right now one of the new initiatives for the university that's called Cardinal Solutions where we have students and faculty from four departments, graphic design, I should say programs, because graphic design is part of the art department, uh, but business, computer science, and of course, rhetoric and professional writing, where we've got our PTW students involved. And we are serving two clients, a, a nonprofit and a corporate client. And we're developing information products and marketing plans and new technologies. And like I said, you know, we're, we're using the center as, as a hub of activity to support that project. And I'd like to see more of that kind of stuff coming in and, and, and get the opportunity to support more of that. We also want to reach out to individual researchers and to people like Dow potentially, you know, that, that want to partner with us as research partners. We want to be able to create collaborations, like I mentioned before, with Carla up at Michigan Tech or with um, Bill Hart Davidson and Jeff Grable and the crew up there at Michigan State. Um, you know, th that would be a really awesome thing for us to be able to create those cross-curricular collaborations between schools. But then, you know, really, we're only limited by our own imagination and our dedication to making those connections and creating opportunities for ourselves and for other people. So there's no reason that we can't be extending projects into Thailand or Germany or right. wherever. I mean, you know, you pick a place around the country, around the world, you know, if, if we can do remote usability testing with people, that'd be a really awesome thing to be able to talk about as a new venture that's going on in the facility very cool so so all right just to kind of put a bow on it five years from now ten years from now where do you see the department in another building <laughs> <laughs> bigger space yeah we're, yeah i'm joking because we're getting ready to move you know as far as this kind of stuff is concerned i would really like us to be able to look back on the stuff that's happening right now as the as the the point when really everything began to gel, where all of the details started to become clear, where the combination of vision and capability and curriculum and student interest started to gel. And so that we look back on this moment as an important moment, and we're looking at the people that we're serving now, and we've got clients scattered across the globe. We've got different kinds of studies, uh, you know, different kinds of information products or different kinds of products, period. You know, it doesn't have to be information design that we limit ourselves to but that where we are integral partners, not just in our local university or in our local community, but maybe in global partnerships, talking with people about important challenges and important problems that they face in their workplaces. Yeah, no, see, the correct answer was season five or ten of the technical report. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's very, very cool, very cool. Well, one thing I want to add, and, and you know, during my time as coordinator and, and, and certainly now as, as somebody who, who likes to be involved with this space, you know, I've always seen it. Uh, serving a couple different stakeholders, and one of course is our students uh, as a space to support their projects, whether it be usability or multimedia, or you know, kind of running the gamut across technical and professional writing projects. The other is a space for serving the university and its faculty and its staff and its programs and its departments, and you know, 
everything from you know the library, like like Trevor worked on in his internship, to uh, you know we're, we're working right now with with the writing program, and and you know these are great opportunities to help serve our uh, colleagues across the university. And then certainly when we think about the outreach and the community engagement, again, whether this be, you know, locally in the Great Lakes Bay region, uh, the statewide uh, or, you know, globally. And, you know, I think this, you know, these visions really align with some of the ways that I was thinking about how this space could function. And so that makes me excited thinking about going forward and, and going into the future. And maybe I'll put a second bow on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a very pretty <laughs> it is, it's, it's a nice package. Uh so where do we see or, or think challenges, opportunities for usability studies going forward? And, and I'll pose this question to both of you. You know, for Dr. Bell, I want you to think about it maybe not limited to academic context, but maybe academic context. And, and Trevor, from your experiences in industry. So again, I'll kind of repeat it. Where do we see some of the opportunities and challenges for usability studies going forward? One of the obvious things in terms of professional development to me at least, is we don't see enough people out there in industry with the title usability specialist. But I see that as something that's going to continue to, you know, the demand is going to increase. Uh, and, and, it, and when we have more students coming out with those capabilities, of course, we're going to have people that can fill those positions and grow in those positions right from the beginning instead of having to learn it as they go, pick it up as as a hobby or, you know, a special interest of their own in the workplace. But I'll pose it another way, too. Thinking of the way that technical communicators function within our bigger culture, we really are people who help culture itself understand and navigate new technological realities. So the coolest thing for me about usability studies is thinking about all the things that we haven't thought of yet, Mm -hmm. all the things that we're going to be testing and that we're going to be involved in the development of that we can't even yet imagine but that will be right there on the leading edge because of this kind of capability and because of this kind of knowledge that we can share with the rest of the industries that we work with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For me, I'd say tech, not in just, not even just in the corporate world, but in our world in general, technology will become more important. It'll become closer to us. It'll be available to more people. So it's important that the creator who is the expert, knows that they achieve their objective for the user. So if we ask ourselves, why is usability important in technical communication? Technical communicators, we're creators. We're problem solvers. We have to become experts, sometimes in other disciplines that we're not 100% informed and, and experts in. We have to test that what we did, what we built, what we created actually works, that we achieved our objective that we're helping the users, that we're helping our audience. And let me add that when you hear something like that come out of the mouth of one of our alums from the program, it makes me feel so good about where our people have come from and the kinds of things that we must be doing right in the program. Yeah, I, I've got a big smile on my face right now, and, and I, I think that's actually a really great way to end this segment, uh, to, to think about that, to think about the kinds of uh, uh, knowledge that this program can offer students in terms of how they can take that from the classroom to the industry, solve problems, affect change, and adapt across a variety of different contexts. Absolutely. So with that, I want to thank Trevor and Dr. Bill for joining us today. Uh, we thank you so much for your time. And, and you know, obviously, we're looking forward to great things from the lab. 
and you know we want to wish Trevor the best of luck to us uh, you know in the industry and in your career so thank you guys yeah thanks guys thanks for bringing us in Well, there you have it. That wraps up our conversation on usability as well as episode three. We'd like to thank our guest again, Trevor Baronic with the Dow Chemical Company and our very own Dr. Bill Williamson. So, Mike, what do we have on tap for episode four? Episode four, we're going to be sitting down with Dr. Dallas and discussing her sabbatical project, Hear Our Story, and it should be a real good one. Uh, very excited to sit down and chat with her. Uh, if you want to chat with us, you can uh, tweet at us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is the Tech Rapport. That's R-A-P-P-O-R-T. Go ahead and hit us up there um, if you have any suggestions, comments, concerns. We'd or, love to hear them. Or questions. We'd always uh, love to bring in Absolutely. questions that you have onto our show. Uh, so we want to thank you all for tuning into Episode 3, and we look forward to bringing you Episode 4 next week. Later. Later.